Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. So a man dies and goes to heaven. St. Peter meets him at the gate and says, why should I let you in? And the guy, sort of small in stature, as Peter's sort of looking him up and down, goes right to works theology and says, well, I've always tried to help others. Okay, says St. Peter, can you give me an example? He says, well, yeah, I was at a roadside diner. A group of hell's angels were there and they were bothering this helpless little old lady. I mean, they had guns and knives flashing around and they were scaring her to death. I couldn't take it anymore, so I got up and I found the biggest, the baddest, the tattooed-covered dude of the bunch. And I grabbed his jacket with my left hand and I punched him in the face with my right. And then I pointed at him and said, you're done harassing this little old lady. It's time for you and your filthy friends to get on your bikes and just ride out of here. St. Peter's like, holy buckets. That's absolutely amazing. When did this happen? To which the guy said, about three minutes ago. (laughs) Now, I know it's stupid, right? There's a lot of jokes about heaven. I say that because I'm actually going to tell you another one in a moment. But here's what I think is sad. In the midst of our humor to be funny, I think we're tainting a God reality. For example, St. Peter will never meet us at the gate. That's not even in the Bible. He will not be at the gate. You know why? Because only Jesus can get us in the gate. Only Jesus. And that's no joke. But I got to tell you another. Because it sort of kind of puts it all together. So it's an elderly couple who dies and get to heaven. And they're at the pearly gates. And St. Peter meets them at the gate. Okay. And he says, come with me. I, I got to show you something. And he takes him and says, this is your mansion. This is where you two are going to live. And the little old man is like overwhelmed. And of course, he's thinking from worldly perspectives right away. He goes, well, how much does this cost me? To which Peter says, oh, no, 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 no. This is heaven. This is heaven, my friend. It doesn't cost you anything. Peter opens the door, takes them inside to a dining room where the tables are piled high with the most unbelievable food you can imagine. Again, the old man, the little old man, so overwhelmed, says, how much does this cost? To which Peter says, sir, sir, this is heaven. It's free. Peter takes him out the back door and shows him the backyard where there's this most pristine of golf courses that he just loves. The man's standing there, overwhelmed, mouth wide open. Peter stops him and says, now before you ask, there are no green fees. There are no cart fees, no membership fees. Remember, this is heaven. Everything is free. To which the old man looks at his wife with a scowl and says, and all your brand muffins, I could have been here 10 years ago. (laughs) Now, let me put this together with our skewed understanding of heaven and what I just said, what is it about us that we will do a lot of things to live longer 
and yet spend very little time thinking of what it means to live forever. I want you to think about that for a moment. Please don't shout out. Please don't say anything because I don't want someone to feel left out or someone to feel like they have any guilt towards someone else or what they might say and someone looking more spiritual than the other. I'm just here to say this last week, how much thought did you give to forever and how many of your conversations were laced with it? See, I, I want you to hear this. I'd rather die right now in front of you from high blood pressure and cholesterol than to live another 20 years in amazing shape and die and go to hell. And I know a lot of people in the name of Christ, you do what you want with it. I've heard the conversations. I think down deep, they'd rather live another 20 years with their loved ones and go to hell than die right now and be with Jesus. And there's something drastically wrong with that. Please hear this. God's people should almost have a death wish. I'm not talking morbid. I'm not talking about harming themselves. I'm talking about the fact that they just get it. And I'm going to help you with this because this is the most important promise that every other promise, and get this, Jesus is not the promise. It's what Jesus came to do to deliver on the promise. It's crazy how many people fear death and they call themselves a follower of Christ. And the moment a loved one dies, please hear this. If a loved one of yours died and really knew Jesus, because God to say it that way, because in this country, everybody dies and goes to heaven. Trust me, I've been to the funerals. And yet Jesus said, narrows the gate, few will find it. I know some of you, you, you want to believe with all your heart, mom and dad are going to be in heaven. But see... I don't want to believe it and hope it. I know right now when my mom and dad die, they will be in heaven because I know how they lived here on earth. We, we grace everybody. And we play this game out. But it's, it's, it's a mockery to what Jesus said. And we're going to look at it. Folks, this is, this is not the promise. Jesus is not the promise. And every promise of God, Reed did a masterful job last week, isn't unconditional. They're conditional. For God so loved the world, his grace is unconditional. But it's going to cost you everything to receive it. Every one of them. And the promise of heaven is the greatest promise in the entire word of God. And the moment sin entered, God is the one that gave us the fulfillment in Christ. And we're going to unpack it because how you see beyond has everything to do with how you live today. Everything. Everything. And I want you to catch what Jesus said. This is amazing. How I die has everything to do with how I live. Everything to do with it. So if you got your Bibles, John 14. John 14. 
I'm going to say it again. I don't want to live longer. I want to live forever. Amen? Amen. Ain't nothing I'm going to do to make it live any longer anyway. Myth. Dude, that's just a big myth. Well, if you eat right, you live longer. Dear Lord, I've seen people who are just built like tanks. I mean, they're just incredible, and they die. Dude, I have hung around with 94-year-olds that look twice the size they should be. You know what I mean? It's like they eat everything, you know? So I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself. I, I mean, come on. Okay, anyway, so um, I, I, it's so stupid. Leave it alone. But I, I love to run. I did it this morning. Got up early and went on for a run. Love it. Love to do all those things. But I'm not trying to live longer because I've already made sure I'm going to live forever. That's what matters most. But I don't think we understand it. And I hope that Jesus today and the power of the Holy Spirit, that God's going to lead you and show you some unbelievable truths that are going to change your life. They're going to change your life. So look what Jesus says, John 14, beginning the very first verse. And I want you to read the first line with me. Come on, nice and loud. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Say it again with me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. What is Jesus saying? There should be a peace by the way in which you live. Everything you do, why do you worry? Why do you worry about what you have or what you shall eat? Does not your heavenly father know your needs? Be anxious of nothing, Paul said. But in everything, let let your petitions, let your heart of thanksgiving be known to your God. I mean, that's that's what Jesus, he's trying to help us, but he's going to tie it to the most important promise. Don't let your heart be troubled. Watch, here's why. Don't, don't. Let me show you something. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. My father, my daddy's really cool. If that were not so, would I have told you that? Would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go there and prepare a place, will I not come back and take you to be with me? I want to be with Jesus, people. That where I am, you also will be. Now go to verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one. Does anybody know what the word in the Greek, what it means here? It means no one. Okay. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not religion, not a membership, not tithing, not reading the Bible. Nothing will get you to heaven except Jesus Christ. Nothing. There's only one God. Not many gods. There's one God and only in that God through Jesus Christ you'll ever see God. And we're not going to preach anything else. I don't care what culture says. I'm going to tell you what Christ just said. Okay? Culture can't save me. They can sure mess me up, but they can't save me. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, there are three incredible promises that we have to get. We don't get them. We ain't got it. But before I do that, I want to give you a couple of realities, and I've done this in many ways, just going to put it in different terminology because we've got to keep coming back to this because I know some of you young people are thinking, because I know how young people think because I was a young person once. When I was going through junior high, when I was going through high school, I wasn't sitting there going, ooh, I'm going to die someday. I wasn't thinking that way. I have my whole life in front of me. 
And there's a partial truth in that. But there's two realities you need to get. Here's the first one. Life is terminal. Say it with me. Life is terminal. Now I heard about a woman. She took her husband to the doctor. He wasn't doing well. And after the exam, the doctor excused him, said, you go sit in the car. I need to talk to your wife. He looks at his wife and says, we have a problem, ma'am. Your husband has a heart condition. He has high blood pressure. He's anxious, stressed out, and something better change or he's going to die. I just need to tell you, he's going to die. She says, what, 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 what needs a change? Well, let me encourage you. If for a year, every morning, you make him a big, healthy, nutritious breakfast and make sure you always serve it in bed to him. Do the same for lunch and supper. Make sure it's always healthy. For about a year, make sure he doesn't do anything around the house, like no chores, don't ever bother him with anything, like no complaints, no nagging. Before bed, massage his feet. And every now and then, because it's such a good stress reliever, he, he's going to want to make love. Anytime he wants, you make sure that you're, you're happy to oblige. See, if, I think if you'll do that for about a year, I think there's a possibility of a full recovery. Quietly, she gets up, walks to the car, and on the drive home, she looks at her husband and says, the doctor says you're going to die. Um, <laughs> and all God's women said, do not say it, okay? Do not say it. But here's the deal. She's right. She's actually right. You're going to die. Everybody here has an expiration date. What is it about us that we don't want to accept that? Maybe because we haven't got the promise yet. It's crazy, isn't it? I, I do this every time I talk on this subject. I do this. I go to Google and I Google the mortality rate. Anybody know where it's still at? 100%. Still there. It's nuts. We're going to die. Somebody go, this is such a downer. No, it's not. It's an upper. See, Ernest Becker has a book called Denial of Death. Do you know what he writes? Just one quote. I'm going to read it. We spend so much of life attempting to do something that we view as lasting. Avoid what is. But all of it, everything we do, leads to one reality. We die. I mean, we even say it. Till death do us part. Admit it. Kay, I love you with everything I got. I'm going to die. It could be today. I don't know. I'm going to try to do things to keep that from happening. But I'm pretty much sure I live in a world where some people aren't going to think that way. And I might be the victim of it. I'm going to die. It's crazy. And yet some of you, when it comes to your finances... Because you think that's going to last. I, I need to tell you something. I know some of you are freaking out right now because the, 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 all the stocks and all that Dow stuff is going up and down. It gets pretty crazy. And people are like, ah, I'm going to lose my money. You will. Just, just let you know it. Okay? Because you're going to die. But you think that's everlasting. That's why you spend more time in the paper looking at what's going up or down rather than in the word of God of already knowing what's up. So I could care less. I got money in stocks. I could lose it. Okay. My house could burn down. Okay. 
I'm pretty sure if the world's around 200 years from now, my house won't be there anymore. I'm just being upfront with you. I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm just saying we all die. Ecclesiastes 8, none of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of our death. We're going to die. Here's number two. Life is temperamental. Have you ever noticed? It's not just terminal. It's temperamental. Say that with me. Life is temperamental. In other words, it doesn't play favorites, and it has no age conditions. Whether I, I, I can't imagine the pain of losing a child. I really want you to hear this. I can't imagine it. But whether a child dies at the age of 12 or you live to be 102, you ready for this? All the older people will agree with this. Life is, and it's over. Can I get an amen from the older crowd? My dad, my dad says it all the time, it's a quick trip, isn't it? It's a quick, I moved here when I was 34, I'm 56. I don't even remember what half of it went. It's just a quick trip, and it seems to get faster. Everybody knows that? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to count with me, just like a normal, no, 1,000. 1, 1,000, 2, 1,000, 3, come on. Four thousand five one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve you know what I'm doing every three every three seconds or every second every second three people die in the world did you know it every second three people three people three people three people by the time an average sermon weekend service is done eleven thousand people will die by the time I'm done, 24,000 people will die. But, <laughs> some of you, can I get an amen? Come on. All right. <laughs> anyway. Now realize, I know when we talk about death, this can sort of be a little grave experience. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> kind of undertaking, you know? Okay. All right. But I'll put a little fun back in funeral here. Watch this, okay? How many here would love to have a really good friend? Okay, a couple of you, okay? All right, good luck in the rest of you. I'm going to suggest the best friend you can have is a funeral director. Think about it. They'll always be the last person to let you down. Think about that. Okay, okay, all right, all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So let's go back to the words of Jesus, and I want to give you three incredible promises about heaven, the kingdom. Because when you get that, and, it's, and Jesus said what? Wherever your treasures are, if it's here, that's where your heart is. But if it's not here, you got problems. That's what I'm just telling you. See, I, I do what I do, not because I'm employed by a church, not because God called me to be a pastor. I'm telling you this. If I wasn't a pastor of the church and I was selling cars, I'd pastor at a, at a car lot. I have to talk about the kingdom because that's, what matters to me more than ever. It isn't this place. I have to do it because it's in my heart. Heaven is in my heart. Whoa, heaven is in my heart. I mean, that's what it's about. Where's your treasure? Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. And you know why? Because death you ready for this? Death is the great gateway to what matters more. So I said, it's almost like you have a death wish. It's like, dear Lord. People, we could be persecuted. Okay. I'll put a bullet in your head if you say you love Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I mean, you know, bam. Hey, Jesus. You know what I mean? It's like, wow. What is man going to do to me? Nothing. 
I've got heaven in my heart and no one can take that away from me. And he put my name in a book called life. I'm consumed by it. My heart's not troubled. Look at the world. Uh, it dies. Can I tell you about heaven? Because <laughs> it lives. Death, death, death. People's great fear. Why? What is it about us? We fear death. Death. Death means what? The door opens to something unbelievably greater than anything I could ever imagine. Holier, amazing. Can I get a witness? Okay? So let's grab hold of what Jesus said and look at the incredible promises. Here's number one. Heaven is a place. Say it with me. Heaven is a place. Heaven is a place. It's a real place. I don't know if you've ever seen or the movie or read the book, uh, Heaven is for Real. It's a story of four-year-old Colton Burpo. I actually know the Burpo family. This might surprise you. His dad and I were on a board at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He shared this story with me before they even made a book or a movie. Four hours we set up in the middle of the night. He says, Keith, I gotta tell you something going on in my life. And he unfolded this whole thing, turned into a book, turned into a movie. But his four-year-old Colton, or Colton, had a near-death experience. Come back to that. His body was leaching poison for five days, and they were missing it. When they finally figured it out, on the operating table, he claims he went to heaven. In the days that followed, he appeared that something must have happened because he starts saying all these bizarre things. Like, Mommy, when I was on the operating table, I saw you. You were on the phone in the hospital room and you were crying and talking to grandma, which was true. Daddy, I saw you. You were on your knees in the hospital's chapel and you were yelling at God. Why were you so angry? His parents thought, hmm, a little weird. He gets home. Mommy, how come you never told me you had a baby die in your tummy, of which was true? They never told him. Remember, he's four. Two years prior, she had a miscarriage. Why did you never tell me I had a little sister? I met her in heaven. She can't wait to meet you, Daddy. Story after story, meeting Grandpa, who had died before he was even born, and calls him by name. But then you find out these are not isolated events. They call them near-death experiences, and I will come back to that. Near-death experiences where people speak of dying, experience in heaven, and then waking back up. And it seems many people have had these, but I contend it's wrongly named. Because if you really get Jesus, then you understand these are not near death experiences, these are near life experiences. Folks, we're not living life now, we're living death. This is the near death experience. When you give your heart to Jesus and breathe your last, you get to move to now the life experience. That's what Jesus meant. I can give you life to the fullness. It's not just in the here and now. Oh my goodness, what is to come? That's why Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Catch this, for me to live is Christ. But then he says, but to die is what? Okay, wait a minute. To me to live is Christ. Like right now I live, that's Christ. But if I die, oh, like, sorry Jesus, but like, for me to live is you, but when I die, oh, that's better. 
And Jesus is like, uh huh, come on right here. You know it? Because where I am, you'll be also. That's why I came. I left glory. The Bible begins with, in the beginning was the heavens, plural, and singular earth. In the beginning was the heavens, plural, and the earth, singular. And when sin happened, God said, I've got to go bring them back to what matters. I've got to restore this perfection, this garden. It's such a beautiful thing for me to live as Christ, but, but to die is gain. That's why he says in 2 Corinthians 5, better for me to be absent from the body, that is to die, and be home with the Lord, because that's life. And did you know the disciple John, he had a near-life experience? <laughs> did you know that? You can read it if you want to run over there real quick. It's in Revelations. I love the book of Revelations. I think so many people have preached it so wrong. They make it sound like it's a big scary book. It's not. It's a love letter. It's beautiful. God gave John a glimpse of what the glory is going to look like. And in chapter 21, he says this in the very first verse. Then I saw, I saw it, a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth has disappeared. And I saw it. The sea is all gone, and the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed before her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there'll be no more death, no more sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Amen to that, people. He saw, he heard, he tasted, he touched heaven because heaven's a real place. And Jesus just said, what? I go to prepare a what? A place. I go to prepare a what? Do you know what the word place is in the Greek? It's the word topos. T-O-P-O-S. Do you know that's the word that gave us the word topography? Jesus says, I go and prepare some topography for you. It is a real place, brick and mortar. Over and over, the Bible describes heaven as a city with walls, a city with streets, a city with rivers, a city with people, a city with animals. And I know some people go, oh, no, no, there's no animals in heaven because there's no spirit in an animal. And I'm like, dear Lord, they were in the garden before we were even made. The number one question people ask me is they'll come up and go, is my, my dog going to be in heaven? I'm like, does a tree have bark? <laughs> it's, it's like the great Bambino, babe, woof. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I mean I, I'm just telling, of course, there, why wouldn't it be? It was in the garden before sin. Uh, here's, here's, one, here's a thought for you. I don't believe that God would ever manipulate us and create a false image and then say it's not real. In other words, the Bible says, and the lion and the lamb will lie down together. And some people go, well, he was just making an analogy. Why would he do that and put something in your mind to make you question? And by the way, let's get rid of the analogy for a moment. My Bible says that when he comes back, he's going to be riding on a white horse. Where'd the horse come from? I'm just being honest with you. Why wouldn't it be? Now, cats will be in the hot place. Um, so I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
Um, can I get a witness? Anyway, um, so heaven is, oh man, anyway, I just lost some of you, but, but I'm glad you're here. Okay, all right. <laughs> okay, heaven is a place, but write this down. Heaven is a prepared place, and you're going to love this one. John 14, verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? So he's not a liar. Everything God says is true. Therefore, I'm going to do what? Prepare. Now think about that. I'm going to do what? Prepare. Don't miss that. I'm going to do what? Prepare. Now, I'm just going to look around and go, someone tell me, what, down this area, what's your, like when you think of like uh, beauty, what's your favorite place on the planet you've seen? Just someone say it out. Anybody? Michigan. You say Michigan? You did. Excuse me, Michigan. I was born in Michigan. I love it. It's probably the most beautiful state when it comes to color, especially right now. I love that, especially the Upper Peninsula. Anybody else? Hawaii. I've not been there. I'm getting ready to go there. But I, my grandma and grandpa said it's beautiful. Unbelievable. Someone else. Come on. Niagara Falls. I was just there. It's, it's so breathtaking. See, we could go on and on. I want to show you some of mine. One of my Estes Park. Anybody love Estes Park? One of my favorite places in all the world. One of my favorite places. My wife and I would love to have like a condo there. Now, this next month's past appreciation. Um, so, okay. Anyway, so um, here's another one. Oh, the Grand Canyon. The first time I was at the Grand Canyon, I literally stood there and just wept. I couldn't believe the vastness and how God just went, man, I'm good, you know? I love this one, the Black Hills of South Dakota. I tell you, we live in one amazing state. When you th I love going to Black Hills. Never get tired of the smell of that pine and going up there. I love Needles Highway. It's one of my favorite places. You know, Sylvan, Sylvan Lake. Here's another one. Now, this one might surprise you. You get to Valentine, Nebraska, and you go south and make your way down to North Platte, Ogallala area. It's one of my unbelievable favorite places when you just see the rolling hills, the endless, and there's nothing out there. I have a friend who owns the third largest quarter horse ranch in the world. Believe it or not, his name's Craig Haythorn. I was in his pickup once and had over a thousand heads of quarter horses running alongside us. And you could feel the ground. And you watch that grass and they're running, and you're just like, oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I go back home, I pull out my 45, I try to spin it. You know, I'm like, I'm just like, this is awesome. Love it. Now watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. In Genesis, how many days did God use to create? Six, right? Six days, six days, God made everything this side of heaven that we go, and yet he's been working on your place in heaven for over thousands of years. I don't want you to think about that for a moment. He created this in six days, everything that we love. But the moment sin entered, this is how much God loves you. Sin entered, he started working on a place he's still working on you because you're still here for thousands of years. Because he's like, I made this, and they blew it. Oh, wait till they come to this party. Think about that. That's the place that he's prepared for you, for me. 
That ought to get you excited. That's the preparation that God's talking about. Here's the translation. I'm not trying to be funny. This place is a toilet. When you stop and think about this is immaculate, but what God's been working on for us? Wow, I'm living for that. Paul said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human mind can even imagine what I have prepared for you if you'll love me. You can't even comprehend what's coming. Woo! Wonder why Jesus said, why would you want to store your treasures here? Are you kidding me? You want to buy a toilet? I mean, do you know what I have for you? Put your treasures not here, put it there. Because that's where you want. If you really understand what I'm giving you in the promise of the kingdom, it's a place. It's, it's beyond anything I can imagine. Everybody look up here. Drop the mic. Adam's going, no. (laughs) People, wow. Here's number three. I'm going to invite the team out. Heaven is a place. It's a prepared place. Don't miss this. Do not miss this. Heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. For prepared people. This is what you and I were made for. Created for heaven. It's not here on planet earth. Heaven is our ultimate home. Heaven is our only home. It's our miribilius reformasti. Paul wrote, read it out loud with me. Paul wrote, read this with me. Come on, church. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await. This is where my passion comes. It's about what's coming. This place is so temporary. I might die today. I told you I'm on my way to Nashville. You might get the word on the street. It might be on the news. You see it. Plane went down. Well, I don't care. That's the part you don't seem to understand. I don't care. So be it. I don't get to determine it. What I did is made sure if it does, hey, gee, how's it going, dude? Oh, man, I, we're home. And by the way, please hear this. If you get to heaven and you're missing your loved ones, you're not in heaven, you're in hell. Because Jesus told a story about Lazarus, and he told a, man, I told a story about a rich man. Lazarus is parting. The rich man's looking over, and he's seeing everything that heaven was he doesn't have and he says to God will you let me go back and tell my relatives I was wrong let me tell them about the truth and God says no they have the word of God they have the church they have people they aren't listening to them they ain't gonna listen to you anyway notice who he's thinking about Lazarus ain't Lazarus ain't, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I know when I'm going to die, but I'm going to die. But death is the beginning of what it's all about. And whatever that is, so be it. So here's the deal. See, I know that. Therefore, today I'm going to get about the living, about what's coming. See how it changes? 
See, this is what the early church followers understood, and the Bible says, and they turned the world upside down. It was of this mindset and heart set as how they shook up the Roman Empire. I don't know if you know the story, but Nero hated Christians. And so he turned the city of Rome into day at night. He'd go to every post he could, and he'd put a Christian, tie him up, cover him with fuel, and light him on fire. Now we stop and go, oh, do you know what those Christians were doing? Then sings my soul, my Savior God to... Hi, Jesus. Dude, man. I mean, see, they weren't living for the moment. They were signed, sealed, and delivered. They shook up the Roman Empire. Rome thought they could silence them. But because they were living for a different authority, a different kingdom... What's man going to do to you? That's what Paul said. Therefore, I will boast about all of my hardships, my difficulties, my, all of those things. Why? Because in Christ, I'm strong. And it's temporal anyway. I go home with Jesus. And until I'm there, I'm going to tell you about the kingdom. See, when you're heavenly invested, you'll have earthly impact. But if you're not heavenly invested, all you'll have is earthly pursuits. That's all you got. That's why St. Augustine once quipped, heaven is not to be gazed at or longed for. It's to be lived in now. My embrace of what is to come is foundational of how I live today. If Jesus is my king, then I only live for one kingdom. How about you? Have you solidified it, heaven? Is Jesus Lord or is he just on board? I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Chuck Swindoll tells a story in his book, Growing Strong in the Seasons of Life, about the 19th century agnostic Thomas Huxley. If you don't know that name, you might know the name Darwin. That was his teacher. You know, there is no God. Wow, okay. Well, if there's no God, then you're God because all you can do is live for yourself. Huxley was in Dublin, Ireland, rushing to catch a train. Don't miss that, rushing to catch a train. He climbed aboard one of Dublin's famed horse-drawn taxis and he said to the driver, Horat, and I'm almost late. Drive fast. It's the best Irish I can do, okay? <laughs> now, don't miss it. Let me say it again. Hurry! I'm almost late. Drive fast. Off they went in a furious pace. And at that, Huxley sat back in the seat and closed his eyes, drifted off. After a while, he opened his eyes and thought, hmm, how long have I been asleep? We're still moving. He glanced out the window and noticed they were going the wrong direction. Realizing that he hadn't told the driver where to take him, he called out, do you know where you're going? which the driver replied, absolutely not, your honor, but we're making great time. <laughs> Here's what I fear. And, and I'm going to say this in my perception. God didn't tell me this in my spirit. This is Keith Loy's perception. The church has no idea where it's going right now. Like right now, if you say, pastor, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. God's going to say, well done. Well done for what? I can't answer it. Not trying to be sarcastic. Well done for not. 
Don't, don't shout out. Don't say anything. I'm just asking. Have you told anyone about Jesus this past week? Why not? Are you prepared? I mean, how are you live in your life? Are you doing things that you keep justifying? Oh, I know it's wrong to have sex outside of marriage, or it's not wrong to have sex out of marriage, because I love them and all that stuff. Okay, what does the Bible say? Are you prepared? The word is the preparation, not your opinion of it. See, I think we're driving fast and we're driving reckless and we're driving, we just have no clue where we're going. Why are we even running hard at all? Jesus didn't. The only thing that matters and the greatest investment you'll ever make is in people's souls. Nothing else, everything else is a waste. It's temporal at best. See, if he's the king, that's our kingdom. If he's our Lord, this is our authority. And we're to be prepared. Jesus said humans reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to the spiritual things. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, the unrighteous, those who think that they can do it their way, will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said in Corinthians 9, he said this, do you not know that in a race everybody runs, but only one wins? Run in such a way that you'll win the prize, not the race, the prize. Heaven is a place. It's a prepared place. But that promise is conditional. It's only prepared for prepared people. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I promise you, it's in there. I promise you, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. And then we always stop it there. We always stop it there. We always stop it there. And it's the worst place to stop it because it's the key how it ends. I will come in and eat with that person and they will be with me and live forever. That's the reason I knocked on the door. I left glory to come down here because I don't want to be without you and I don't want you without me. I did what I did. We make the cross such an ugly thing and heaven saw it as one of the most beautiful, beautiful pictures that could ever have taken place. That's why Jesus said it was the joy set before me. I went to the cross. I endured it because not even death itself is going to tell me no. But then he said, I got to go back home because that's where it's at. Jesus was the premise to the promise. That's the condition. Is he Lord? He doesn't want to be Savior. It's not even in the Bible. He's Lord. He's Lord. Are you prepared right now? Doesn't mean you're perfect, but are you prepared right now? And every day, are you working on that preparation? God, I just, oh, just want to be what you want me to be. That the world would know. That the world would know. Father, in this room are your creations of which you love with everything you have. Oh, do you love them? Oh, do you adore them? And God, here we are in a moment of time. And I pray right now that our hearts and our thoughts are not about what we think, but what you know. It's not about image, it's about intimacy with you. And that God, you have so much more for us. 
What is to come determines how we live right now. Heaven, it's in our heart. And we want the world to know that unbelievable glory and truth. God, thank you. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.